You ever been walking through the Navy Exchange and wonder why all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear is horrifically ugly and you wouldn't actually wear it? Have you ever wanted some really cool gear and you just don't know where to go? Well, I got you, fam. Go to dgutsapparel.com immediately. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. Uh, we're working on new designs all the time, open to ideas. We're trying to create a brand that uh, lets you display that pride, but doesn't make you cringe. Uh, also, if you're willing to and you're able to, please go to patreon.com slash podcast, pick one of the five tiers and become a patron today. What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. Um, first, thanks for the feedback from uh, the people that hit me up about the last spin the yarn about apparently you do i still have to go down the rabbit hole and i'm gonna talk to a gentleman about it who's doing some kind of training on the blended retirement system um but apparently you do receive some kind of a pension uh but it's like at a reduced rate because it's supplemented by what like whatever the tsp matching stuff is so it sounds like i'm gonna have somebody who is a expert or, or at least compared to me, an expert, uh, come on, talk to me and we'll break all that down, which is fun because I do, I, I have it in kind of like my queue of ideas of things I want to do with the podcast, but they require some like overhead, like research and, and, uh, like scheduling guests and stuff is like, I wanted to do a series on transition, um, out of the military. Um, both retirement and separation and like pointing people towards benefits, bringing on smart kids to talk about things that I'm not an expert on, but I have that my own anecdotal experience and the research that I've done. Um, but I definitely want to, I want to try to get like fleet and family support people or like, um, you know, like, a admin types that are experts on, uh, like the, the nuts and bolts of all the paperwork to make sure your DD 214s right. And all that kind of crap. Um, like maybe like a, uh, veteran service officer, stuff like that for the VA claim and all the benefits and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I really, I, that's going to take some time to plan. Cause I really want to sketch that out and figure out how I'm going to, uh, like what episodes I'm going to do. Sorry. I'm a little congested right now. I apologize for all the sniffing. It's cancer nose problems, but, um, but yeah, so the, the, uh, it's, it, it's an idea that's kind of, uh, percolating. Um, and I just need to plan it all out and that's, that's forthcoming. Um, but I do want to, I had a couple people reach out. I just wanted to thank you all for pointing that out to me. Cause I like, that wasn't the highlight for me of that episode. So I probably, I didn't like look into it as hard as I probably should have. Cause it's been a long time since I've looked at, like, I, I was, I did some training on it when it like first rolled out whenever it was like 2016, 2017 when they were talking about it, I guess. Um, so like I was more aware of it back then, but like I didn't opt into it. Um, and yeah, I didn't pay that much attention to it, to be honest with you. After that point, I just did what I had to do at the time. And then it just did. It wasn't super relevant. Um, and unless somebody asked me a question about it and then we would look it up. But yeah, I mean, I anyway, shout out to the homies. I appreciate you guys pointing that out to me. Apparently there is a pension, which I think I said there wasn't during the episode. I was assuming there wasn't. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you. And then more to come on that. We'll get some we'll get some good content out on that system. The system itself, how it works, some of the perks, you know, pros and cons or whatever, the, the nuts and bolts of it. And um, today we're going to talk about something. Um, I've probably mentioned it in other podcasts, but uh, this idea that like the more the further away I get from my military service, the more 
I feel like I'm I'm uh, I don't know detoxing or like um, just my perspective has shifted a lot and I've been spending a lot of time studying things that are unrelated and I'm not immersed in in like the culture of the chief's mess and submarines and the military and all that kind of stuff anymore um, and been thinking about like leadership in relation to like being a, a leader in the military specifically being a chief right not just because it's my context but because there's like this cult of personality or lack thereof that is that uh that thing that blob of <laughs> leadership uh, uh, the chief's mess <laughs> so, like um it's the idea that like chiefing is leadership and leadership is chiefing, right? Like the, the idea that because you're a chief, you're a leader by default. Um, the idea that the promotions and awards that validate you along the way and your behaviors along the way make you a leadership expert, right? And this all came, came I had it written down uh, as one of my things I was going to talk about. I don't even know when it popped in my head and then went right back out because that's how my brain works. Um, but it, it popped into my head recently. Um, I was talking to somebody uh, that asked me what makes me uniquely qualified to talk the way that I do about leadership and to do this podcast and all those kinds of things. And the question kind of uh, it punched me. It was a, a punch me right in the face because I was just like, I don't know, nothing like <laughs> I was like, I you can you could you certainly could point at, oh, he's a retired master chief, 20 years in the military. A lot of that was in leadership, blah, blah, blah. And for sure, there's a component of that experience that made me a much, much better leader but I, I, I talk about my experience specifically as being unique and unusual um, in that I, I got very lucky and found myself in positions to develop by leaps and bounds as a leader that I don't, you know, I, I'm fairly certain most people don't find themselves in. I, I just got really lucky. Uh, and some of it, you know, like I made a little bit of my own luck by like pursuing certain things uh, like the Senior Enlisted Academy. Uh, when I was still a chief and I, you know, by all by like how that usually how that um, usually works in a normal career cycle, it doesn't come till much later. You're usually a senior chief uh, or even a master chief when you go, um, which I've talked about. Think, yeah, I think that's nuts. I think it should be a CPO academy. But um, that's just how it was and how it largely is because they're trying to make it mandatory to make master chiefs. So it's going to drive the, the participation of senior chiefs and um, they want to prioritize it that way where it's senior chiefs and master chiefs. It's kind of like the, the front matter before the Cobb CMC course. So you have to do that and then you're ready to kind of go to the next step of when you're going into like the command senior chief or command master chief program, you have to go to those, that course as well. So it's, that's just how it's built. And I got really lucky that, um, I had a CMC that was stationed in Newport for our when I was an A school instructor. He was at the Learning Center in Newport and he was because he was local. He had a good relationship with them and was pushing for all of his chiefs at all of his learning sites to go through the Senior Enlisted Academy. And he was advocating for us. And so 
that was the luck part. I just happened to have a CMC that was pushing that. I could have had a CMC that was uh, like, nah, wait, till you just you need to be a senior chief. Like, I'm not sending you. You're going to take a senior chief spot or whatever, which, you know, at the time wasn't true. There was a lot of you'd get in as a standby and then the class wouldn't fill up because those people didn't want to go because it wasn't mandatory yet because uh, they kept waiving the requirement. Um, so then a bunch of chiefs would fill up, fill out all the all the empty spots. And that's what ended up happening with me. Um, but again, like the being on Jimmy Carter and, and having the, the strong chiefsmiths that I did to teach me how to be a chief at the very beginning. Like I just, I just was in the right place at the right time a lot. And that's not a normal experience for most people. Um, so I wanted to talk about the idea that I think there's a lot of chiefs out there that think they're leadership experts just just and there's plenty of chiefs that are doing other things or that had a similar uh, path to me where they found themselves in the right place at the right time. But they, they are definitely the minority, in my opinion. Um, I think there's a lot of chiefs out there that think just by virtue of them being chiefs that they're leadership experts because it's not when you hear that. And there's probably some some. Uh, E6 and below cackling and like officers cackling as they hear that. But th think about it. <laughs> it's not that crazy of an assumption for the person that's in the, in that uh, in that experience and that body going through life doing these things. Right. Like it's not an it's not an unreasonable assumption for that person to make based on like what I've talked about a bunch before. Like they they're being told constantly that uh, they're strong leaders they're being being handed these pieces of paper that evaluate their performance in the position that they're in and recommends them for advancement based on that performance which is a validation of their prior performance their level of knowledge their experience and it says like you're ready to be the person that we say is the leadership expert and then you have the whole cult of personality built around the chief's mess that consistently i mean you know to an exhaustive uh degree like reinforces it they're just constantly telling you like you're you're the leadership expert deck plate leadership you know uh results not excuses and all the other you know shenanigans um so it's it's not a it's not an uh <laughs> i'm trying to think of the right uh the right word it's not incorrect for them to assume that based just based on the environment they're in like there's no they have been given no reason um to believe that it's untrue you know what i mean like they are still in the matrix they're still like they think that the authority above them that is in a position to evaluate them telling them that they're a leadership expert validates that they're a leadership expert right and it's it's a, f a fair assumption like they should be able to trust that the people in a position to evaluate them um are qualified to evaluate them in that way and that they understand what a leadership expert really means and all those kinds of things right but I, I guess the point of this podcast is I'm here to tell you that like chiefing isn't leadership and leadership isn't chiefing. It's and, and it's not to say that it shouldn't be the same thing. Uh, it definitely should be. But there's this idea that 
it is the same thing currently that like what the product we're delivering to junior sailors in the fleet or to just to the Navy in general is already this like pinnacle of leadership expertise. And that misunderstanding bordering on delusion is the reason why we have the culture. I, you know, I would call it wildly ineffective. A lot of people call it toxic and for good reason. Like, I, I don't I don't know if I'm all the way there yet, but it sure it certainly has toxic effects. Um, that's how we found ourselves in this place is we've decided to uh, kind of crown ourselves the kings of leadership. And it's 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 so nuts because it really is just propaganda. Like it really is just a, a group of people being boastful and just patting themselves on the back um, instead of allowing for an outside evaluator to come tell them otherwise. And that's the key here is, is we have lots of mechanisms. Uh, you, like you have the Senior Enlisted Academy, you have the eval and award system, you have um, your, your, just your hierarchy, right? Like your squadron CMC or I guess like ATG in the case of more technical things, even though there's some leadership in that and for surface sailors. And there's probably all kinds of other entities I'm not even aware of. And then you have like the fleet CPO training team, which a lot of people aren't aware of, but it exists. But it's still like it's all um, it's all like self-evaluation, right? Like the it's chiefs coming to evaluate chiefs, right? Um, If you were to go outside the lifelines of the Navy and go get a leadership consulting entity of some kind, right? And it doesn't even have to be like, like the first one that pops into my head is Echelon Front. It's run by Jocko Willink and the homies, and they do a lot for like civilian companies and stuff like that. Um, but he's he was in the Navy. He was enlisted and then he went officer. Most of his career is an officer. Um, a lot of the, uh, I don't know everybody, but like a lot of the people I am aware of that are in his orbit, at least, if not actively employed by Echelon Front, is is uh, sailors, Marines, soldiers. So it's like if you wanted a, a non-military take on it, um, you could go looking for that. But it would be interesting to see because um, I think I think Echelon Front would be fine. Like, I think it would actually probably be better because they have the context of military leadership and experience. But then they've also got a, a ton of experience in the civilian world and they've seen a lot and they've evaluated a lot. Um, I think it would be really interesting for uh, an entity like that, whether it's them or someone else to come evaluate uh, the chief's mess, the wardroom, the that interface, the triad, how, how like just how the whole naval leadership uh organism functions and how efficient it is and what it could do better and and really do like a deep dive release a report to everyone uh and just kind of give us a give us grades or some type of measure of efficiency and a bunch of feedback and uh i think it would be um a rude awakening <laughs> i think it would be uh harsh and and a painful pill to swallow but i think it's like i think it would be very very productive or could be very very productive you know they got to be willing to receive the feedback and act on it which that's <laughs> that's the mount everest of of change for uh naval leadership i, I don't know that they'd even be willing to 
stand at the bottom and contemplate climbing that hill. But um, I, I think it that's what you would need to really understand how bad we are at it, <laughs> like how wildly inefficient we are, because like, I don't think like I think I got to a point where I was probably a popular leader with my guys in certain ways um, because I, I really wanted to take care of them. But I wasn't like after my first few years as a chief, I think I got a lot better at it, but I wasn't as, as willing to give them their medicine. Like I wanted to I wanted to give them what they want and not what they need, which is the opposite of what I should be doing. I, I would love to, you know, like I, I obviously like when I can give them what they want and it doesn't take away from what they or we need as an organization, then yeah, like if I can, I will. Um, because there's, it's effectively a no cost, you know, <laughs> a no cost uh, transaction. It's like a victimless crime if I send them home early and it doesn't affect the mission, right? So I just, if I can do that and I see that opportunity, I seize it. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think I, I was fully formed until, man, um, probably or is somewhere in the A school time frame, which would have made me almost a senior chief. So if you think about like all the leadership I'd done up to that point um, and like fully formed, just meaning that I feel like I was I actually was a competent leader that was doing it right most of the time. Um, I like I don't think you're ever fully formed like I, I'm still learning to this day and I'm not I haven't been in uniform in over a year, but it's um, it's something that I, I even for me, like and a lot of people look at me as as um a bit of an anomaly uh, and like a hyper competent leader and all those kinds of things. And it's like, I mean, I, okay. Like, but it took me a really long time and a lot of self study and, and development and luck, a lot of luck. Like I talked about earlier to get to that point. And so like, when you look around at, at like the general population of Naval leadership and particularly the chief's mess, it's like, they don't get those things and they don't even know that they need them a lot of the time and that's that's that that um when a when a sailor like looks at leadership and be really believes in their bones that that person is being malevolent and and like what they're doing is just this like malicious wronging of their underlings you know like like when they there's a lot of junior sailors that feel that way that really believe that the people that are in in positions of power are are trying to hurt them trying to make them unhappy trying to make their lives harder their work harder and like actively trying to drive them out of the military and then you get the the um other polar pol the other pole polar polar polarity whatever word i'm trying to say the other uh, like the polar opposite of when they get to a point they're like trying to like why aren't you staying in the navy like like but like you've been acting as if you don't want me here this whole time and a lot of those junior sailors are like they're aghast at the idea that they would even stay and like how dare you even like ask that question or or, or react as if you're surprised that i'm running for the hills and it's like it's be, it's because that person this whole time thought they were being a good leader. I it I know it's counterintuitive. It seems batshit crazy. It seems like that person would have to be either stupid or insane to believe that. 
But if you think about being in it, and a lot of the people that I interact with via the podcast platform are sailors that were listening and then they went through the transition and then now they're existing in the chief's mess and having to try to function in this fucking shit show of of naval leadership hierarchy. It You understand when you get there. You feel unprepared. You feel ignorant and stupid a lot of the times you feel like you're speaking a different language than everyone else and there's a period of assimilation where you're you're trying to just find your footing and figure out how to navigate this you know leadership dysfunction soup and eventually you start to get to a place where you sort of know where to go and what to do and all those kinds of things um and some people find ways to do it really well um and to me those are the people that just snap out of that shit and they're like it's just leadership there there's ways for me to figure out how to do this really well and it doesn't have to be inside the skin of the chief's mess and the people that can like what is it the red pill is the red pill the one where they get out of the matrix i think it is i'm just gonna go with it but whatever pill it is that gets you out of the matrix i'm pretty sure it's the red pill um when they get red pilled maybe <laughs> and and kind of snap out of it then that's when they start becoming more competent leaders that you that the junior sailors are they like recognize it and they're like oh that's leadership like that's what i've been looking for this whole time like that's what junior sailors on their way up are just starving for just like it, it's so it's so confounding like it's so confusing to to experience when a sailor um just thinks all leadership is the evil empire but then they find that one that gets it and it's like it like because it's not like oh i'm just coddling them and hugging them and making them feel good and giving them everything they want and, and not demanding anything in return it's not that at all it's just effective leadership just i'm i'm they want to work hard <laughs> they want it to be challenging and rewarding and they want to develop and they want to be told when they're actually doing a good job and they want to be held accountable when they're not and they want to be trained and pushed and you know qualified and reinforced and awarded when it's all appropriate and that that's like a big big piece of it is like I feel like there's a certain amount of intuition involved in sailors recognition of when shit's broken and when it's not right. Like culturally, um, when they see people get awards and they don't feel like they've earned them, which like there's a lot of jokes made about cooks getting awards for making cookies or whatever. Submariners love to, to just troll cooks when they get awards. Right. And it's not because like the reason that I would get defensive and some of those cooks would get defensive is I was very stingy with awards when I was in leadership positions, but I also, when I wasn't the person submitting the awards, I got awards for stuff I shouldn't have. Um, the one I joke about the most is I made truffles, like the chocolate with like fondant in the middle type type deal, right? I have a fancy culinary degree. I know how to do some stuff. On a submarine, we were doing a, they called them a, a TRE, a tactical readiness evaluation. Now they call it CRE. It's something else, combat readiness or some shit. I don't know. Somebody needed a fit rep bullet, so they changed the acronym, but... Um, I made truffles underway on nuclear power, which not normal. Most people don't know how to do it. 
and I did, and I we ha- we when you get an inspection on submarines, the cooks roll out the red carpet, do a bunch of bougie stuff, whatever's within their skill set, right? But like submariners aren't used to that, like no somebody knowing how to do that, right? So I was a first class at the time, pretty new to the Jimmy Carter. I made truffles. Uh, my CO lost his shit. Like he he couldn't fucking believe that that could be done on a nuclear submarine. And the TRE team lost their shit because they said it was the best food they'd ever had on a submarine, best food in the Pacific fleet or whatever they said. So because of that, because of how impressed the team was and how impressed my CO was, I got a NAM. It was fucking ridiculous. I knew I didn't deserve it. Everyone else knew I didn't deserve it. Like the CO could have just coined me and called it a fucking day. And that's what should have happened. But I don't, maybe the T, maybe the TRE team pushed it. I don't fucking know. But I, I got a NAM. As I'm being awarded this NAM, I'm fucking laughing, right? I just thought it was the dumbest thing. And I was just, give it to my guys. I don't need a, why are you giving me a NAM for this? Like, it was so stupid. And, and everybody, it was like everybody, except for the people awarding the award, universally recognized it to be fucking ridiculous. And I think the reason I didn't get a lot of shit for it at the time, because I was laughing as they were putting it on me. And then me and the boys, you know, like shooting the shit after was just like laughing at, at how stupid it was. Right. But my guys worked their asses off. Best cooks I've ever served with. Like they were just monsters. And I I pushed them hard. I trained them hard. We did a lot of amazing stuff. Um, And when they got awards, especially once I made chief and took over, when they got awards, they fucking deserved them. And so when people would say that, I would I would snap like because they're not getting it for making cookies like they're getting it for doing their jobs extremely well under the most stressful circum like <laughs> circumstances possible so uh not to mention i mean like work at the time we weren't on eight hour watches so they're working you know 14 hours a day seven days a week like they, they're working hard i would say harder than anyone else on the submarine but a gangers are a real thing so and electricians probably i would probably put it rank order them that way but i'd have to think about it but still i mean like they're up there though like they're they're i mean those guys worked their asses off and no one sees it they just see him standing at the chow line handing them a plate and think their life's easy and it's it's you just the dumbest shit ever but anyway um, when those things would happen, like when a, when a sailor would get an award, because it, it would happen for other people too. Like, there's always like people in the division that deserve to get awarded, and people that probably don't. But for whatever reason, uh, like the leadership, uh, like just kind of, all right, I guess we're getting the Nam Cannon out for this deployment because we did good or whatever. So just everybody gets an award, and it's like because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings or they, I don't fucking know. It's weird. Like a lot of the times, you'll see people get awards that they don't deserve or it's just like recognition that they don't deserve um lots of times you'll see people get uh it was capped back in the day mapped nowadays where um i've seen a lot of people get meritoriously advanced because they were close to higher tenure and leadership decided they just wanted to like give them this gift of a promotion to keep them in the military because they wanted to stay and it's like it's a lot of people react negatively to that. And they're like, what the fuck? Like there's this dude over here or girl over here that like is lighting the world on fire and clearly decides to be married or deserves to be meritoriously advanced. And they're not because they're like, ah, they'll probably make it off the exam and they have time. Right. 
this person over here is at higher tenure and they don't have time. And it's like, well, they had time before and didn't get promoted. So like, I just like, I don't think higher tenure should exist, but like, that's another conversation for another time. Um, but anyway, th this is all to say that like sailors react with like vitriol when stuff like that happens. How do they know? Right. How do they know that those things are are unfair or unmerited or whatever? Right. There's just I don't it's like some of it feels obvious, but like, why is it obvious? How do they know? Like, are you in a position to evaluate that sailor? No, like you're in your work center doing your job on a daily basis. So some of it's just like hearsay, but like some of it is just like they know when stuff's bullshit. They can just smell it and feel it you know and it's like they just recognize it but they also recognize when it's not like when you see somebody get meritorious advance that like just deserves the shit out of it and like everybody's like yes you know like that guy deserves it that happens a lot too um not a lot it doesn't happen as much as it should but like it happens and when it does everybody's like excited right like uh my buddy uh he was a torpedo man that he was like sailor of the year a bunch of times. He was just, just incredible human, but he didn't test well. So he wouldn't make board. And so he wouldn't make chief. And he finally makes board one year. And it was like, he should have been a chief like five years ago, but he finally made board. And when his name got read, over, I, I made chief with him. And when his name got read over, I was like more excited for him than I was myself. Part of that was because the quotas were high and I kind of knew I was going to make it. Um, already like before they read the results like i was i was 99 sure i was gonna make chief um but for him it was like i was i just lost my mind went and found him immediately gave, gave him a big bear hug like it was really cool like everybody on the ship was just over the moon that this dude got selected so um when you see leadership particularly leadership and competence it's like they're in it. It's a lot harder to recognize it when it's happening to you, right? Um, I know it's it like it seems like it shouldn't be, but it is. And so, like the all the outside observers are looking at these people, these chiefs that are amidst this experience that are are they're they're kind of being brainwashed a little bit. And so they think that, oh yeah, I must be a leadership expert. I must be doing a good job. Nobody's telling me I'm doing anything wrong. I keep getting advanced or patted on the back of my eval or whatever. Um, and nobody's chin checking me telling me I'm doing it wrong. Right. And like the only people that you're really getting honest feedback from, and it's like passive aggressive under their breath, like on the Simeo survey feedback is junior sailors. And so it's like, a lot of that doesn't even pierce the membrane of that little like echo chamber that they're in. And, and they're so they're just stuck there, like consistently being told they're they're doing a good job or if they're being told they're a bad they're, they're doing doing a bad job. It has nothing to fucking do with like like actual leadership skills and how they're actually leading their junior sailors, because most people outside of the division chief and LPO are completely fucking unaware. They're not in that relationship, that ecosystem of the the chief leading down, the LPO leading down and the sailors like interacting with that, receiving that leadership, like responding to it, whatever. Right. Unless you're unless you get to this really acute thing where like all your sailors are like getting in fist fights and getting DUIs and fucking going AWOL or something. So it's like until you get to that place, um, it's not 
you don't really get a lot of feedback one way or the other. You know what I mean? It's mostly like the, the feedback I would get or I would see in Chiefs messes was like how I was doing as a chief in the mess, not outside of it in my work center, in the mess, right? Like the things that my cob had visibility on or my department chief had visibility on or the COXO had visibility on, right? Like is my collateral duty monthly report up is my training binder routed is my fucking you know shit like that like leave chits for the holidays uh uniform inspection you got to do it by this date or like one of my guys failed their room inspections a bunch of times what am i doing about it maybe um that'd be about as close as you'd get to like but like when it happened i would regulate fix it whatever but like if somebody's keeping a raccoon as a pet in the barracks, you know, that that's going to come up in a conversation. But like, if that's the only thing, it's like Seaman Timmy's a knucklehead. It's not chiefs doing a bad fucking job, right? Most of the time. So you exist in this weird echo chamber that's constantly positively reinforcing your performance. And at the end of all that, you arrive at this place where you are wholly convinced you're a leadership expert. Um, the, the sad truth of it is most of you chiefs are not, and that doesn't mean you can't be, you don't have the potential to be. It doesn't mean that, that the intelligence and potential for, for just excellent leadership competence isn't there. It just means you got to do the work at first. Step one is, is recognizing that what you learn you probably mostly learn like how to deal with stress and and be resilient to it if if that but you're not being taught actively taught leadership competency like you're just not what like when does it happen the senior enlisted academy okay when do you go to that if you recall generally when you're a senior chief if that most of the time you're a master chief or like a very on the cusp of being and you're on your way to go to the Cobb CMC course, but you have to go to the SEA first. Or like you're you're just happen to have the time and you know that's your career arc going forward. So you kind of plan it while you're on shore duty so that you check that box and you can put it on an eval so that you can get it, you know, accepted into those programs, right? It's not something people are like, I would really love to further my leadership education. Like what leadership education? You've never gotten a leadership education, right? You've got, you have some experience in leadership positions and that's how you should look at it. You've been put in a leadership position, wildly unprepared for it. And you've taken lumps and got built up scar tissue over time, trying to navigate that shit, trying to just white knuckle your way through this shit you're unprepared for. But you've never gotten an education Really, like there are lessons learned for sure along the way during that experience, but a lot of them can be maladaptive, right? Like you can be uh, the experience that you can gain a valuable leadership lesson from. You can also just become bitter, jaded or get a warped understanding of what healthy leadership is. Like you can think that because that dude yells and screams and throws shit, that that's the move. Like that's good leadership. Well, they're a commanding officer of a submarine or they're a command mass chief of a base or they're whatever. Like, so, okay, this guy's wildly successful. He's an EP senior chief and he throws his fucking coffee cup at people. So, all right, I guess that's what we're doing here, right? <laughs> it's fucking never okay. And it happens. I've seen a commanding officer throw a cup of hot coffee 
on another officer who it took everything in him not to punch that CO in the face. But nobody got fired. Nobody even got reprimanded. It never came up in conversation. That officer just ate that rage somehow. God bless his soul. And everybody just moved on with life and kind of like passive aggressively talked shit behind that commander's back about, you know, just what a bipolar asshole he was. So like nothing productive happened there at all. Hopefully the the hope is that the silver lining is some people walked away knowing that that's not the right way to do it because everybody was pissed off. Everybody was fucking on fire. Surprised it didn't get reported um, like outside the lifelines of the ship, but it didn't. And that dude's probably going to be an admiral. So it's like, <laughs> here we fucking are. And uh, yeah, it's it's. But a lot of people saw that and were so enraged that it's just like, I'm never going to treat my people that way. That's not how you should be learning leadership. It's effective in its way and it stays with you. I learned a lot of leadership lessons by seeing, by just like witnessing what not to do. But at the same time, if I didn't have the context and like the upbringing and, and just morals and values and stuff that I have, thank you, parents. I, I don't know that I would have processed it that way because you can just as easily go the other direction and be like, this guy's wildly successful. He's going to be an admiral someday. I should do what he does. Or it's acceptable to do what he does. He didn't get in trouble. He never got held accountable. So it's like, oh, okay, apparently that's what we do here. And that's what an effective leader looks like. And that stuff is okay. And it gets it done. And that it's almost like there's a time and place for it. And to express my displeasure with a thing, I'm going to throw my coffee cup across the room or at somebody or whatever. I don't think he intentionally threw the hot coffee at him. He just threw his coffee cup and the hot coffee landed on the person. If that makes it any less egregious, I don't think it does, but whatever. Uh, yeah, so I guess like a big part of this is first, I just want to point at it. I just want to shine a spotlight on being a chief it like it doesn't make you a leadership expert. Are you in a leadership role? Yes. I, that's as far as I'll go with it. You're not a leader because you're a chief. You're not. You're in a leadership position. You may or may not be doing it well. You may or may not actually be leading. You might just be like pissing everybody off and driving people out of the military as a result of your leadership incompetence. However, the organization may just be blind to that or too incompetent to hold you accountable. So they're just, you know, like the mission's getting done, even though they're, you know, doesn't seem to be like maybe your sailors aren't winning blue jacket of the quarter and shit. But like if you're not standing out for bad reasons, like, you know, NJPs or uh like broken gear or not meeting mission metrics or other program metrics or whatever, right? You're going to, and you're doing all the front facing things that, that the triad and the people in a position to evaluate you care about. You're going to promote. You're going to get recognized. You're going to get validated as being a competent leader, as being a, like a good leader in the eyes of the organization doesn't make it true right and that's a hard hard pill to swallow like you really need to find a way to um 
self audit, put a mirror in front of yourself. You like you need some mechanism to honestly evaluate you and tell you where you're at. And and honestly, like there's a lot of really, really simple ways to do this. In my analysis, I think the biggest one is to simply ask. Um, you have to have a really healthy relationship with your people to do that and expect an honest response. But you can find what and again, this is like it's hard because you're the one evaluating it. And if you don't understand what what right looks like or um, which I think I think it's easier to recognize outwardly, like when you see somebody else being a strong leader, I think it's a lot easier to recognize than than recognizing yourself doing it correctly. But um, find somebody in a leadership position that you feel like is a hyper competent leader or like a mentor or something to that effect that will be honest with you and that you believe is a hyper competent leader, but also self study. Um, you could do anonymous feedback, which if you don't, if you haven't built the a healthy enough relationship, like if you kind of scoff at the idea of asking your division to give you honest feedback on your leadership, uh, do it anonymously because you clearly don't have an effective enough or like a, a good enough relationship for that feedback to be effective for them to even give you honest feedback. So do it anonymously. Do it like a, a Simeo survey. You could just there, there's plenty of ways to, to do it where it, you can make it completely blind and sailors can can feel comfortable enough knowing that it's completely blind. And especially in the day and age where you have like Reddit, Discord, all these all these online things. You could do it that way. Or if they don't trust that, which a lot of sailors like we had anonymous feedback uh email things that were like the CEO suggestion box and sailors just assumed that they could see they're like fuck you I know you can read that I know you know it's me I know there's a way you can make it unblind so fuck that I'm not doing that uh, a lot of people didn't trust that system but you could do it just fine do it with paper fucking type something up click print I can't recognize your handwriting don't put your name on it drop it in this box when I'm not around and then you know I can get this feedback right um, or mail it to me for fuck, fuck. Like there's ways to do it. You can figure out a way to do it to make it completely anonymous. Um, there's probably an app for that or some shit that I don't even know about, but yeah, like get feedback. Um, and not just from them, ask your, ask other chiefs, ask, you know, the first class mess, ask all, I mean, they could go into a first class meeting and do anonymous feedback right there and drop it into a box. And then, you know, the, First class petty officer association president can come hand it to you. Just be like, here it is. It's all anonymous. It's all typed up. No names. Here you go. You know, there's lots of ways you could you could figure out a way to to get that feedback. But something's got to give. You know, like if you gotta you gotta be willing to receive feedback. You gotta be, and not just from sailors anonymously. However, you figure that out, but from like leaders, hyper competent leaders that you can. Um, trust to give you that honest feedback and be critical and not worry about your feelings like um, I'm happy to do it even though I'm not in a position to evaluate you and I'm not you know like it, it would I'd be relying on your honest assessment of yourself um, and even like if you're having problems and, and you think could this be me but I'm not sure like type up type me up a book man type me up a thousand word essay on your situation be as descriptive as possible email it to me and I'll do my best to do that analysis we can get on the phone and talk whatever we can figure out like kind of what's going on but like 
it'd be better to get somebody that knows you that's in a position to evaluate you is even better like the more they can know about you and the more they can be in a position to observe you and analyze your division um analyze the relationship you have with your people with leadership all those things the better but um either way like a mentor some type of sounding board they can be the same person feedback from your people having like establishing a relationship where your people can just give you feedback where they're comfortable to do that knowing that there's not going to be reprisal or any kind of negative effects on them um all of those are ways to kind of help you understand if you are a bit diluted you know like a, a bit kind of captured in this system that's that is very much an echo chamber it just is there's not a lot of people that are kind of like in the system but have snapped out of that trance enough to be able to provide you with the critical feedback that you need but they're out there they're out there a lot of them listen to this podcast um so yeah i mean that's i guess that's where i'll leave it i because i feel like i've come to the end of (laughs) what i wanted to talk about and i don't want to talk in circles but it's just recognize that concept and, and it's it's a it's a slice of humble pie i get that I get there's a lot of people that don't want to hear that um, and don't want to sit there and question it or are just like probably actively scoffing at it. And it's like, look, maybe you're a hyper competent leader just by having existed in the system. Like maybe uh, you were like me, but don't recognize it where you got lucky along the way. You just had all those mentors and had a great uh, path of development and you just developed in this hyper-competent leader as a result. Like, I'm sure somebody out there has lucked their way into that path unknowingly, but odds are, um, in at least some ways, you're existing in leadership incompetence. Like, you're existing in this place where there's stuff happening that is, is making the lives of your sailors more difficult at minimum if not driving them out of the military and making them bitter and jaded and and feeling like your leadership is toxic and you're writing it off as like oh bitching sailor's a happy sailor or, or something to that effect and it's like it's time to it's time to really like red pill yourself take time to self-examine and really be like am i fucking am i good at this like am i a competent leader am i doing this the right way um you don't got to take my word for it. There's plenty of media out there besides me. Uh, books. I'm actually, I'll plug it now. It feels appropriate. Working on a reading list. Shout out to the listener that uh, suggested it. But it's it's actually, I, I it's live on the website now. I haven't completed it though. I have like mine up there. Um, Trey, who does Doc's Point of View, sent me some. Uh, he's actually really into submarines, which is hilarious. Uh, and then Ariana sent me some. Uh, Des hasn't responded, but like it, it'll be a living a living document. But I'm I'll, I'll I'll for sure refresh it annually, if not more often. I'm not sure yet, but as of right now, I'm planning on annually. Um, if people want it more often, I can do that. But. Uh, working on a reading list it'll have links to the books on amazon they are affiliate links it's just another way for me to make a little bit of money and and try to like you know pay the bills and maybe eventually someday (laughs) way off in the future maybe pay myself a paycheck and treat this like a real job um but it's yeah if you want to purchase the book and want to do so on amazon if you click the link on the website 
it'll take you to Amazon. And when you buy the book, we get a little bit like the D guts LLC gets a little bit uh, of the um, proceeds from Amazon selling the book. Like you don't pay any extra. It's not, you know, different or anything like in that way. Just know that if you are clicking that link and you want to buy it on Amazon, we are benefiting from that. And I just want to be transparent on that part of it. It just was an opportunity. Like I recognized it as an opportunity when the listener suggested it to uh, try to make a little bit of money for the podcast as well. And you can just go get the book and it, it helps us. Doesn't cost you anything except going to the reading list, following the link to Amazon and then buying it there. Um, so yeah, that's one way you can support us. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, if, uh, if you want to support us or you got any comments, questions, concerns, whatever feedback, I'm, I'm very interested in like, especially for the chiefs, you know, like, and, and even like first classes that are on uh, kind of on the cusp, like they're about to be board eligible. Uh, I'm very curious to know how you all feel about this. If you feel like you recognize it already and then what you're going to do about it. Um, and as always, I'm here to help. Hit us up. Don't go out the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't go out the ship podcast or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit or Discord at Degas Podcast. Uh, if you want to support us, the book list thing's great. It's a new edition. Uh, I'll announce it when it's complete on social media and such, but you can do that. You can go to degaspodcast.com. There's a donate button on the upper right hand corner of the website. Uh, or you can go to Don't Come Up the Ship Apparel. It's degutsapparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear. You'll actually wear in public. Uh, it's awesome. You should check it out. And then patreon.com slash podcast. Pick one of the five tiers to become a patron today. Uh, it helps us pay all the bills and expand the platform. And we really, really appreciate any way you can support. If you can't spend the money, no big deal. I know it's right after Christmas. Everybody's probably broke. Uh, don't worry about it. Just like, share, subscribe, review on all the platforms for all the things. If you share the videos on YouTube or subscribe on YouTube, follow the podcast, share the podcast, tag your friends and things that you think will be valuable to them. Anything helps, including just listening. And we appreciate it. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't give up the ship. <laughs>